Chapter Seven of Leatherface: A Tale of Old Flanders. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Leatherface: A Tale of Old Flanders by Baroness Orksey. Chapter Seven: The Rebels at this same hour in the small withdrawing-room which adjoined the dining-hall in monsieur van Rijk's house five men were sitting round the gate-legged table in the centre of the room at the top of the table sat clemence van Rijk in a tall chair covered with crimson velvet opposite to her sat a man who was dressed in rough clothes of dark-coloured buffle, and whose ruff was of plain, coarse linen. He wore a leather belt, to which was fastened a heavy wallet, and high, tough boots that reached above his knee. His black hat and mantle lay on a chair close by. In fact, his clothes, more than ordinarily sombre and plain, were such as the serving-man of a poor burgher might wear nevertheless this man had round his neck a crimson ribbon to which was attached a gold pendant in the shape of a dead weather which is the badge worn by the knights of the golden fleece when this man spoke the others listened to him with marked deference and laurence van Rijk stood all the time beside his chair and served him with wine in appearance he was spare of build and tall he wore full beard and moustache and hair brushed away from an unusually high forehead his eyes were prominent and very keen and astute as well as frank and kindly in expression and his eyebrows were fully and markedly arched clemence van Rijk was the only woman present the other three men were all dressed in dark clothes and their black mantles hung over the backs of their chairs the room in which these half-dozen people were assembled was narrow and oak-panelled at the end of it there was a low and very wide window recess across which heavy curtains of crimson velvet had been drawn at the side a door gave on the dining-hall this door was open and the hall beyond was in complete darkness the whole room was only dimly lighted by one thick wax candle which burned in a tall sconce that stood on a bracket in an angle of the room and threw a fitful light on the grave faces of the men sitting around the table the high bailiff half business at the town-house clemence van Rijk was saying in reply to the stranger who sat opposite to her he will not be home until midnight my son mark too is from home she added more curtly your highness can discuss your plans with these gentlemen in all security and if you wish me to retire she half rose as if she meant to go but a word from the stranger 
kept her in her place i entreat you to stay with us mevro he said we would wish you to hear all that we have to say of a truth we have no more loyal adherents than mevro van Rijk and her son and what we should have done in this city without their help i do not know he turned at the same time to lawrence and stretched out his hand to him the young man at once bent the knee and kissed the gracious hand the little that we have done monseigneur said clement softly hath been done with great gladness seeing that it was in your service not only mine mevro rejoined the stranger i am but the instrument of god's will an humble follower of his cause what you have done was done for him and for the cause of liberty of justice and of right may god's blessing rest upon your highness's enterprise murmured clemence fervently for god and william of orange is our cry your cause is the cause of god alas said the prince with a sigh of utter weariness and dejection you know how little success i have had in this city promises 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 i have in plenty and a couple of thousand young men from the town have rallied to my standard a poor result indeed after all my efforts so much tyranny he exclaimed bitterly such wanton oppression the dastardly outrages at mons and at mechlin and only two thousand men among thirty willing to take up arms to defend their liberty their ancient privileges their very homes he leaned his elbows on the table and buried his head in his hands clemence van Rijk was silent as were the men their hearts echoed all the bitterness which had surged up in william of orange's heart yet your highness refuses to take me with you said lawrence with gentle reproach only for the moment monsieur rejoined the prince only for the moment never fear but i will send for you as soon as i have need of you can i afford to reject so devoted a champion but for the moment you can do so much more for me by staying quietly at home than if you followed me on my recruiting campaign i have not yet exhausted the resources and enthusiasm of this city of that i feel confident i shall try again for another week there are still several likely houses that i have not visited and whose cordial invitation i have received beware of treachery your highness broke in clemence van Rijk suddenly nay madonna he said whilst that same winning smile lit up the sombre dejection of his face but have i not told you that my dragon is on the watch not a step am i allowed to take in this city without his permission he allowed me to come to this house to-night because he knew that i desired to express my gratitude to you personally but i can assure you he added 
laughing softly to himself i had to fight for the permission is that not insolence exclaimed one of the others hotly were we not to be trusted with the care of your sacred person you all signors and monsieur van Rijk and his mother rejoined the prince but there are others in this house do not blame my devoted leatherface he continued earnestly but for him i should not be here now no man could be more watchful no man more brave or more resourceful countless times did he save me from the assassin's dagger and the poisoner's cup if my life is necessary for the cause of freedom and justice then have freedom and justice in leatherface their truest and most efficient champion amen to that rejoined clemence van Rijk with fervor i only wish i knew who he was that i might pray more personally for him ah we none of us know who he is madonna said william of orange more lightly he is leatherface and that is enough for us and this reminds me that he begged me to be back at my lodgings by ten o'clock so i have not much time to spend in this pleasing gossip shall we to serious business now at your highness's service replied lawrence and the others also murmured a quick assent well then signors having decided on our coup we have only the details to consider you have all assured me that the duke of alva will come to ghent within the next few days and that our two thousand recruits are ready to carry out the orders which we have framed for them the numbers will be doubled within the next few days interposed one of the graves signors with conviction your highness's presence in the town though only known to a very few loyalists hath wrought miracles already the wave of enthusiasm is spreading asserted another well if we had more men quoth the prince cheerily our plan would of a surety be more certain of success i cannot say that i altogether approve of the plan for as you know i am a soldier and have no great mind for plots and conspiracies but those on whose judgment i place infinite confidence men such as monsieur paul buys pensionary of leyden marnix of thoulouse marnix of st aldegonde and others all approve of it and i have therefore given it mine assent he sank his voice yet lower to a whisper and he leaned right across the table as did the other men so that their ears were quite close to his mouth the duke of alva comes to ghent in about a week's time he continued the idea is to seize his person and hold him a prisoner here and an hostage whilst we demand the withdrawal of all the spanish troops from the netherlands and the abolition of the spanish inquisition to seize the person of the duke of alva murmured clemence van Rijk, and so great was the terror which the tyrant inspired in every flemish heart 
that even those who already knew of this daring plot were appalled at the magnitude of such an outrage why not quoth william of orange earnestly less than a hundred years ago the town of bruges held the archduke maximilian king of the romans a prisoner within her walls until he swore to dismiss all foreign troops from the netherlands within four days and gave hostages for his fidelity what bruges did then cannot ghent do now with alva a prisoner in our hands we can dictate our terms to the king it is a bold coup signors i own but it hath every chance of success a murmur of approval went round the table clemence alone was silent she was old and feeble perhaps she had seen more than one bold coup fail and terrible reprisals follow such failures but lawrence was full of eagerness and enthusiasm it cannot fail he asserted vehemently are there not two thousand men in the city who are devoted to your highness heart and soul and who are ready to give their lives for your cause two thousand and within three days there will be five more than enough for such a bold coup it will and must succeed one lucky hazard and we may win all that we have fought for lived for died for for over a century it cannot fail came with fervent conviction from every one of the others ghent can do what bruges hath done they affirmed with the tyrant a prisoner in our hands we can dictate terms as bruges did an hundred years ago well said signors rejoined william of orange and your approval you who know this city so much better than i do hath given me further encouragement and now he added with serious earnestness you will want to know why i convened this meeting which by mevrou van Rijk's graciousness i have been able to do and you will wish to hear what role hath been assigned to each of you in the great event which we are preparing let me but offer my life interposed lawrence eagerly nay not your life i hope monsieur quoth the prince with a smile your forethought and prudence and your united cooperation are what we want ye are risking your lives signors in this enterprise that i'll not deny but ye are men and know which you value most your life or the very existence of your nation which is threatened with complete destruction for orange for faith and for liberty said one of the men simply and the others merely murmured tell us what we must do you must be wary and alert above all things signors for i have chosen you for a very arduous task in connection with this enterprise and you must recognize that however carefully we organize it there will always be one weak link in the chain which we are forging for the capture of that abominable tyrant the duke of alva one weak link 
yes we do not and cannot know for certain on which date alva proposes to come to ghent the dates of his visits to flemish towns are always kept a secret until the very moment of departure he dreads assassination interposed one man with a sneer on the last occasion of the duke's visit to ghent said clemence van Rijk, my husband was only apprised of it by courier two hours before his arrival the courier had started from brussels a bare half-hour before the lieutenant-governor and his cortege left the city precisely and even then the high bailiff was in advance of every one else with the news nodded the prince and that is where our difficulty lies how to collect together a couple of thousand men at perhaps an hour's notice men who are scattered in different portions of this city and probably engaged in their usual avocations where will their leaders be each at the different points where our secret stores of arms are kept there are four of these points and four captains whom i have appointed to command five hundred men each having distributed the arms the captains will lead their respective companies to the walport where a crowd is sure to collect as soon as the rumor has spread to the town that the lieutenant-governor is coming our men will mix with the crowd and at a given signal when the duke's cortege crosses the bridge they will rush the bodyguard scatter confusion among the escort and in the mollet seize the person of alva during the inevitable tumult that will ensue among the soldiers and the populace our valuable hostage shall be conveyed in absolute secrecy to het spanjard's castile where of course we can easily keep him a close prisoner whilst we negotiate with the king but this of course is for the future signors he added and my concern now is to explain to you the method which i and my counsellors have devised for the calling together of our stalwarts as soon as the duke's coming visit is announced have i your close attention signors he had indeed the four men round the table bent forward more eagerly still so as not to lose one word of their noble chief's commands but before they could formulate the words of loyalty and of enthusiasm which hovered on their lips a soft sound like the beating of a bird's wing against the window-pane froze those whispered words upon their lips every head was immediately turned to the window every face became rigid and pale every brow was contracted with the effort to strain the faculty of hearing to its tensest point it seemed as if six pairs of glowing eyes would pierce the folds of the velvet curtain which hung before the window the prince was the first to recover himself it is leatherface he whispered come to give me warning he rose and would have gone to the window but clemence van Rijk 
caught him by the arm and clung convulsively to him not you monseigneur she entreated not you it might be a traitor then the tapping was repeated and lawrence went cautiously up to the window and after an instant's hesitation he suddenly drew the curtains aside with a resolute gesture then he unfastened the tall casement and threw it open the night was of an inky blackness and as the lattice flew open a gust of wind and heavy driving rain nearly extinguished the light of the candle but in the framework of the window a man's head and shoulders detached themselves from out the gloom the head and shoulders were closely enveloped in a hood and cape and the face was hidden by a mask and all were dripping with wet leatherface murmured the prince and clemence van Rijk gave a sigh of relief there is a light in the window above whispered the man with the mask and a shadow has crossed behind the windows of the corridor someone is astir overhead and the civic business at the town-house is drawing to an end we have nearly finished murmured the prince in reply and i'll come away at once is the street clear quite and will be for another ten minutes till the night watchman comes round i saw him just now he is very drunk and might make trouble i come friend rejoined the prince and as soon as may be the hooded head disappeared in the gloom lawrence closed the window and drew the curtains together again i envy that man he said and clemence murmured a fervent god bless him then the prince turned once more to his friends you see he said with his grave smile how carefully my dragon guards me there is evidently no time for lengthy explanations and i must be as brief as i can he now opened the wallet at his belt and took out from it a small packet of papers i am going to entrust these papers to monsieur lawrence van Rijk, he said they contain the names and places of abode and of business of every one of those two thousand men who have actually tendered me their oath of allegiance and have sworn to give me unconditional support i propose that monsieur van Rijk keep these lists because it will undoubtedly be his father the high bailiff who will learn sooner than any one else in the town the day and hour of the duke of alva's visit to ghent as soon as this is known to him monsieur van Rijk will then go to each of you signors and give you each a list of five hundred names at the head of which will be noted the rallying point where these men will have to meet their captain and receive their arms you in your turn will then each go and beat up the five hundred men whose names will have been given you and order them to go to their respective rallying points all this plan added the prince has been very carefully thought out and it seems to me simple and easy of execution 
but if any of you signors can think of a better one i am of course always ready to take advice you know your own city better than i do you might devise something still more practical than what i propose nay interposed one of the men meseems that nothing could be more simple and i for one do vote unconditionally for the acceptance of his highness's plan the others all gave their assent hastily now for again that gentle tapping was heard against the window-pane only rather more firmly more urgently this time but no one went to the window to see what the tapping meant obviously the faithful watcher outside scented some still hidden danger the prince at once by rising gave the signal that the conference was at an end as he did so he handed the packet of papers to laurence van Rijk, who received it on bended knee it is a treasure monsieur said william of orange earnestly which involves the lives of many and even perhaps the whole existence of this city where will you keep it it was clemence van Rijk who replied this room she said is mine own private withdrawing-room that bureau there hath a wonderful lock which defies the cleverest thief it contains my most valuable jewels the papers will be safer there than anywhere let me see you lock them up in there mevrou rejoined the prince graciously i entrust them to you and to laurence with utmost confidence clemence then handed a key to her son and he locked the packet up in the tall bureau of carved and inlaid mahogany and satinwood which stood in an angle of the narrow room close to the window and opposite to the door i am meeting some friends and adherents to-morrow said william of orange finally at the house of monsieur the procurator-general whom of a truth god will bless for his loyalty and i pray you signors as many of you as can do so to meet me there at this same hour but should we not meet again do you understand all that you have to do the men nodded in silence whereupon the prince took formal leave of them and of his host and hostess he said kind and grateful words to clemence van Rijk, who with tears in her eyes kissed the gracious hand which was held out to her she then escorted her noble guest out of the room and across the dining-hall the others following closely behind all were treading as noiselessly as they could the door which gave from the dining-room on the hall and staircase beyond was wide open the room itself was in absolute darkness and only a tiny light flickered in the hall which made the shadows round corners and in recesses appear all the more dense will your highness grope your way to the front door whispered clemence van Rijk, or shall my son bring a lanthorn to guide you no no said william of orange hurriedly that small light yonder is quite sufficient i can see my way and we must try not to wake your hall-porter 
oh nothing will rouse him save a very severe shaking and the bolts and bars have been left undone as my husband will be coming home late to-night and if i am not mistaken quoth the prince my devoted friend leatherface is waiting for me outside to see me safely to my lodgings he is always mistrustful of hidden traps or hired assassins for me farewell signors he added lightly remember my instructions in case we do not meet again but to-morrow interposed laurence van Rijk. ay to-morrow said william of orange at this hour at the house of monsieur de Nute, the procurator-general those of you signors who care to come will be welcome not one of us would care to stay away rejoined laurence with earnest conviction End of chapter seven